welcome to the podcast for Winton Baptist Church. We hope to encourage you in your walk with Christ through the teaching of God's Word, posting our Sunday messages online and other periodic devotionals to keep your faith strong in Jesus. Check out our website at wintonbaptist.com for more ways to connect with us. We would love to hear from you. Be encouraged, and may the Lord bless you always. As we continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're in the Beatitudes, and uh, we're rounding out the, the last Beatitude this morning, uh, continuing on, of course, with the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, this is uh, the most wonderful sermon that Jesus preached, perhaps the longest sermon that he, that he preached. Good morning, Carl Henry. Good to see you, brother. Yes, sir. Um, this is the longest sermon that he, he, uh, he preached, and, uh, and these are uh, eight or nine sayings, depending on how you count, uh, of, of Jesus uh, describing the state of a blessed life or the status of a believer uh, in such a way that Jesus points out here and throughout the Sermon on the Mount that the Beatitudes are our first a description. They first describe the kingdom citizen. They describe who the believer is in Christ. That's what uh, the Sermon on the Mount is about first. First, it's descriptive. It describes who we are in Christ. And then, then, once Jesus describes who we are, this blessed state, blessed are the, and then we go on, we say, and, and then it's a, 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 pro, a proscription of how we are to live as believers. Here's who you are in Christ. Now here's what you must do. Essentially, you have to be before you can do. You have to be a believer in Christ. You have to be a kingdom citizen before you can do for the Lord. And so that's what he's encouraging his disciples and the crowd that was gathered there on the Sermon on the Mount. It was a crowd, but it was also disciples. You have to be before you can do. And the idea of what he was talking about, the kingdom of God really, is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart primarily. The kingdom of God is a matter of, of the inside, the internals. Uh, and that's what he was preaching about in this Sermon on the Mount. And the these are fruitful actions that glorify uh, God. But conversely, the opposite is true. Uh, the, the, the values that the world espouses run contrary to the life of a kingdom citizen. Whereas uh, the world glorifies pride and blaming others and seeking pleasure for yourself and uh, stirring up strife and conflict. Well, Jesus said that the kingdom citizen is one of humility, uh, contrition for your own sin, longing for right and good, showing mercy and seeking peace. That's what the Beatitudes are about as we've, as gone, we've gone through those. But also because the life of a kingdom citizen is very much contrary to the ways of a worldly citizen, what's going to happen? The disciple's going to face persecution. That's what's going to happen. Now, as we read over the Beatitudes, hopefully we get a good sense of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. What does it mean that Derek Davis, I am a follower of Christ? What does it mean? Jesus lays out uh, plain in red and white, if your Bibles are like that, or black and white, uh, in the Beatitudes. He sets it up. He's setting the stage for the rest of the sermon as we go through this. And so, hopefully we're going to get a sense of that, but once we get into uh, once we read down here, you, know, you read the Beatitudes, you go through all of them, 
Uh, blessed are, uh, you know, uh, the ones who, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for those of the kingdom of heaven. You keep on going down, it talks about uh, those who are comforted. Uh, blessed are the humble and those who hunger and thirst and those who are filled and blessed are the merciful. These are all good. They sound so good, don't they? They sound good. But then we get down to, uh, you know, blessed are the ones of peace, for they should be called sons of God. Uh, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted. Oops, uh, what's that? Persecuted. We're going to go on by that real quick. We're going to hurry on by that one. I don't know about persecution. I'm going to hurry on by that one because I don't know about persecution. I'm not sure that really applies to me, Pastor Derek. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of skip over that one. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. Well, if we skip over that one, what about the other seven Beatitudes? Do they apply and not this one to the life of a kingdom citizen? I would argue that this one applies as well. Did Jesus just mean for the crowd to hear the first seven Beatitudes and not the eighth one? Or do they, did he mean for just the crowd to hear all eight, and it's just for their time, their world, and not us? It doesn't apply to us. No, it's not. It, applies, it, it does apply to us. He meant for you and I to hear it and apply it. That's why the Holy Spirit gave uh, the words to uh, the, the writer Matthew, uh, uh, and so he could write this gospel 2,000 years ago, and the message is still the same from cover to cover. Uh, this book was written over a period of 1,500 years. 66 different books, 1,500 years, over 30 different authors. And, and the message is still the same. The redemption of man. God came to save man from his sin. How is it even possible that, that 66 books can convey the same message, but yet be written 1,500 years in a 1,500-year time span? Why, church family? Because this book is the Word of God. It's not a history book. It is a miracle. It is a living, breathing Word of God. So we must trust it, that these are his words. So if Jesus says to us, blessed are the persecuted, then we must understand that he's communicating to, yes, his disciples, and he's communicating to the crowd there, but he's also communicating to us here in 2020. For us, as we peer into this sermon preached by our Lord, let us not forget a key idea before missing what God has to say to us as we seek to apply truth to our lives. We must understand this word, context. Context. Because you can take any passage of Scripture and make it to mean what you want it to mean. You can, you can apply and say, well, that, that means this and that means that. But we have to be careful, church, that we must use the context and get the intended meaning that uh, the writer intended for his audience and apply it to us today. Now, this was in the midst of an oppressive Roman government. This was written uh, in the midst of an oppressive Roman government, perhaps 10 years before the overthrow of Jerusalem uh, in A.D. 70. Uh, Matthew wrote his gospel to convince the Jewish audience that uh, there was many fulfillments in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. Uh, prophecies that indeed Jesus was the Messiah. He was the king. Uh, and he had come to establish his kingdom on earth. And so the kingdom citizens should now have a guide to how to live. That's the point of Matthew's gospel. Jesus is the Messiah. He's come to establish his kingdom. Here's how you should live your life now that he's king. Now you should live your life as a kingdom citizen. How do we do that? How are they to live their life on this new kingdom on earth? How are they to live as citizens of the king? Here in the Beatitudes, we see the answer to those questions. And for us today also, Jesus knew that believers would face persecution. And so he said so in the last Beatitude. And it states that here in Matthew 5, 10, it says this. Blessed, that means, ha it means happy, but it's not just a, like a mental state. It's not just happy. It's not that. It's 
Happy is more of a, a favored state of God. So blessed is probably the best word in the English language that we can have. Blessed is the person. This person is in a favored state of, of living if they are uh, this way, if they are being and they are doing this. That's what the word blessed means. It doesn't mean God's blessing you. It means you are in a, you are in a state of blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So we need to understand what kind of persecution Jesus is referring to. When you, when you hear that word persecution, I'm sure a lot of thoughts kind of go through your head uh, of what kind of persecution Jesus is talking about. Sometimes we might go to the severe persecution we think about as, as believers who are uh, perhaps suffering in other countries, or countries around the world, like a Chinese pastor, for example, who was imprisoned for 20 years for preaching the gospel. We think about that kind of persecution. Are we going to go through that? Are we going to be in prison for preaching the gospel here in America, in the United States? We see that's severe. Uh, we, maybe we think of the beheadings and the torture that uh, our, many Christians face in the Middle East. Uh, you know, that's severe. Well, what about uh, the time that I was asked to stop talking about Jesus so much and, uh, and get back to work at a former job that I had? Was I being persecuted or was I just not doing my job I was asked to do? What's persecution? See, there's being persecuted for a cause, a, a, a political cause, if you will. We can be persecuted for that uh, because you, have one, you are of one political persuasion uh, and, and you get treated badly and in some ways persecuted by others. That's not the kind of persecution that Jesus is talking about here. That's not the kind of persecution that Jesus says a person will be blessed by if they experience it. You can even be persecuted for doing foolish things, which you're not going to be blessed by. Uh, that's not being persecuted for what? For righteousness. You see, the dictionary defines persecution as this. Watch this. To harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. That's persecution. But you see, the, the Apostle Peter warns believers not to think that all suffering, I'm suffering for Jesus, is the persecution that Jesus says you're living a blessed life for. Watch this. 1 Peter 4.15 says this, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. You see, those are characteristics that are, you know, yeah, there's, a, there's consequences for those, those actions, but it's not persecution. You see, there's a certain church group out west you may know of that garnered headlines in recent years for being, uh, for lack of a better term, obnoxious, uh, and, and they had in their attempt to represent the Christian faith. The, the, you know, they were, quote-unquote, protesting. You know? They go to funerals uh, of servicemen and women. They would protest that. Uh, were, were they being persecuted? What they did was they marred the name of Christ and how they acted at the funerals and other places that they went. The persecution they received was not for righteousness. It was for being foolish. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So this then is the real way of persecution for the believer. And it's also my next point. It's the way of persecution. He says here, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So we define what persecution is as suffering for the cause of righteousness, according to the Bible. That's Jesus' standard. That's the way Jesus defines it. Uh, this can result in severe persecution or mild persecution. 
but if you're a follower of Jesus, watch this, for at some point, at some time in your life, if you're following Jesus, your values uh, will and should conflict with the world's, with the world's and how you live your life. And oftentimes, that creates tension. The way you live your life as a believer, it's going to create tension and can, on occasion, lead to persecution. Now, Jesus promised his followers, you and I, that they would face persecution. Watch this in John 15, verses 18 and following. Watch what he says. He says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you, uh, love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. Last week, I, I mentioned a, a quote from a, a, a pastor named Vody Bachman, Vody Bachman and on why the culture is so upside down. Why are things as crazy as they are? Why is there riots and all this stuff's happening on the news? What's going on with the world? The world's just in chaos right now, it seems. Or they would, the media would have you believe. When he says this, uh, men have loved darkness instead of light. That's just a reality. Uh, they, they go to that. They're drawn to the darkness as opposed to the light. The same goes for believers. As you live your life for Christ in an increasingly secularized society, the choices for you will become more pronounced. Will you choose to compromise your faith or your values to align with society, just go along with the flow, go along with the crowd, you don't want to ruffle any feathers, or will you stand with Christ and His righteousness and go against the flow? I think of the little fish on the car, you know, uh, we've seen these, you know, the fish is going one way and the other fish are going the other way. There's been so many different iterations of that. You have, uh, and I even saw some of our state, you had a wolf, a wolf eating a ram at one point, you know, a, 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 a UNC, UNC ram kind of thing. It's gotten out of hand. Uh, but are you going to go against the flow? Are you going to go against the flow uh, for Christ? You know, there's a former UNCW professor, maybe you saw this on the news, former UNCW professor in Wilmington. Mike Adams, he was an atheist. Did you know that? He was an atheist, didn't believe in God. And so the, when the university hired him, they, they, you know, a lot of universities are, are, are liberal in their ideology. So they hired Mike Adams. He was an atheist. Uh, and uh, well, while he was doing his professorship, he, he came to Christ. He became a believer. And, uh, and so as he began to grow in his faith, he began to espouse his values, and, and he began to change. He, he became a little out, outspoken. Mike was not a perfect man. Uh, his values began to, began to change so much that the university decided they'd had enough and they were going to fire him. And so they fired Mike Adams for his uh, outspoken beliefs and his, his Christian faith. Uh, so he sued them and they, they reinstated him with back pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I wish the story ended happily ever after. It doesn't. Uh, we know that uh, we, they, you know, Mike was, sadly, he, Mike is no longer with us. Uh, he wasn't able to enjoy the, the fruit of that. But he's with the Savior, amen. He's with the Savior right now. Uh, a teacher recently posted her views on Facebook about same-sex marriages, and the school fired her for her post. Are these examples of persecution? It's uncertain, and it can get quite nuanced, okay? There's, there's a lot of details in there. That, details are important. But thankfully, Jesus goes even further for you and I with this one particular beatitude that we're looking at this morning. And he gives us, he gives you and I, the why of persecution. Why will believers be persecuted? 
Why will you and I be persecuted if we stand up for what's right, if we stand up for Christ? Notice what he says in verse 11. This is the why of persecution. He says, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. That's the why. Because of me. That's the why. So the why Jesus points to really is himself. Generally speaking, in verse 10, it was because of righteousness. But he gets more specific here. He narrows the cause to himself. Not only can believers experience severe persecution because of the name of Jesus, but they can also experience other kinds of persecution, false accusations, uh, insults. Maybe you've been insulted before. That's persecution. Uh, you don't have to face severe persecution, church family, to be persecuted for the name of Christ. Uh, to be among those who suffer for the name of Jesus, to be counted among those. You can be insulted for the name of Jesus. Maybe the way you live your lifestyle offends some people. Yes, it will offend. The gospel is offensive. The gospel says we are in need of a Savior. We are sinners in need of a Savior. The gospel, people take offense at the gospel. It will offend. But the gospel is also redemptive. Because of Christ, the gospel, the good news, redeems those from sin. You can also be lied about because of Jesus. Spreading lies about you and your character. Character assassination. You know That can, that can happen too as you're living the life of a believer. But no, the, the perse- persecution is not, we, not something we go out and seek. I'm going to seek to be persecuted today for the name of Jesus. I'm going to glorify myself for the name of Jesus. I'm just going to be a martyr today. It's not something we go out and seek, uh, seek and do that. Who would think I'm going to go out and do that today on my checklist? I'm going to be a martyr today for Jesus. Rather, we might think the better option is this. If I suffer for the name of Jesus today, then I have been found worthy to suffer for the name. I've been found worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Let me give you another example of someone who's been found worthy to suffer the name for Jesus. Pastor Waleen is the, uh, Waleen, I get the names wrong, is the pastor of a church in southern China. His wife, Chang Jie, was a principal of an elementary school there where parents had agreed to, to use Christian curriculum in the school. Parents had paid for the curriculum. Parents had agreed that it was okay to do that. Uh, this is in China. Now, sadly, the wife was arrested along with several others from the church who were at the school for I- illegal activities. Illegal. I want you to watch this video. This is the reaction of the husband. Uh, and uh, they, the voice of the martyrs did an interview with him. Watch this video.
So two years later, Chengji was met at the prison by her husband and son and was released. This is religious persecution. It's exactly what it is. She, she was persecuted. They were jailed for disobeying a law that was set up to discriminate against someone's faith. Now, here in the United States, we're not there yet. We're not, we're not there yet. But I remember as a high school Bible teacher, sitting across the table from the leadership of the school and told the program would be canceled after 20 years in the school system. Privately funded, by the way. Was that persecution? I'm uncertain. What I can tell you is that every volunteer teacher for the program did it with a motive to honor Christ in the classroom, with a goal of letting the Word of God speak for itself. Students ask questions uh, during the day that I gladly answered, uh, but I had to be careful how I taught, not giving my bias into my teaching. A test question was worded with proselytizing, so they say, uh, by another pastor teacher in the program. And it was shut down by a complaint from an ACLU-type group. For many years, pastors were very careful how they taught the Bible as literature, 
and in the community. And, you know, if conversations happened outside the community, you know, in the community, so be it. It was a win for the pastor and the student. But that may not be many of your experiences even now with your faith. Maybe you didn't or have not gotten in trouble with authorities uh, when it comes to your values. Maybe that's not happened to you that. But at some point, your Christian values are going to collide with the world's values, your workplace, your home, your money, your entertainment, your travel. As you stand for Christ, know that there is an end result. And this is the so what of persecution. So what? So what do we get persecuted? So what's Jesus' point of letting us know that we're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? What's he getting at? What's he want you and I to know this morning? What's the point? What is the so what of persecution? We see it in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, our response when we face persecution is to be glad and to rejoice. Now, it's hard to be joyful in the midst of, of persecution, but a righteous person can look forward to the, to the promise of heaven. That's what we have to look forward to. When we suffer for, for our, our faith and we, we're, we're, lied, we're lied over and we're, we're falsely accused, uh, our brothers and sisters are, are imprisoned and all kinds of other things, we can rejoice that, folks, this is not the end. We're just passing through. The, our, our current struggles are, are pale in comparison to the glory we're going to experience when we go to heaven. Pale in comparison. And that reward is wonderful. When persecution happens to us, when it happens to you, think about this. It can, it can benefit you in several ways. Watch this. It can take our focus off of earthly rewards. We can kind of see the this, this stuff around us and, oh, you know, well, well, all of a sudden we get persecuted. It doesn't matter anymore. That stuff was, it doesn't matter anymore. What matters is, well, you know, my life, uh, but what even matters more is my God. When we get closer to death, you, th- you think more and more about God. You have those conversations with God more and more, don't you? Uh, I know my, my uncle, uh, as he approached death uh, with colon cancer, uh, he had more and more conversations about the Lord with with pastors and with me, and so you, you want to get right with God. So when you, get per, when you are persecuted, it takes your eyes off the earthly, earthly things around you. The, fir, the focus, the point is that the persecution is temporary. This is not our home. Secondly, it causes us to examine the depth of our faith. What kind of faith do you have? If, uh, are you going to stand for Christ, or are you going to just turn tail and run? What kind of faith do you have? Are you, are you going to laugh at that joke? When the fellows are laughing, are you going to stand for Christ? Something you're not supposed to be laughing at. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. You're a believer. You're supposed to live like Christ. Look at the depth of your faith. What do we really believe about Jesus? Does our faith match our lifestyle? I'm saying this too for myself. Does our faith match our lifestyle? When people look at you and they look at me, do they see Jesus or do they see Something less. What does persecution do? It gives faith to those who endure suffering for Christ. Talk to anyone who has faced persecution, and you'll find much strength and resilience there. When the people of Moldova, they're, they're very strong people. Just to see some of the things that they've gone through. Um, just, you know, there's, there's still a, a, a oppression there from, from certain, certain uh, elements of the government. 
denying building permits, for example, for a church to meet and saying you, you can't meet here for so long and, and uh, we're not going to give you your certificate of occupancy so you can never meet, you know? Just little, little, little things like that. It gives them courage. They, they move forward. They keep going forward. And, and I'm so honored to serve, and I, I know you should be so proud to serve alongside of those, those brothers and sisters. Thirdly, it gives, uh, fourthly, it gives, someone can, can serve as an example for others to follow. Jesus said we would be counted even, even among the, the prophets who were pers- persecuted before us. Think about that. The prophet, Jeremiah was persecuted. If you're persecuted, you're, you're going to be counted among the prophets. Now, for disciples, that was a huge honor to be counted among the prophets of God. A huge honor. Where are you in your faith today? Where will you stand when it comes down to it? Will you stand for Christ? Does, it, does your faith matter enough that you're going to stand up in the workplace when a decision comes where your values can be compromised? Will you stand for Christ or will you stand for the world? Will you stand for light or will you stand for darkness? Will you pursue darkness or will you pursue light in, in, the, in the civic square? Will it matter? Will your faith matter? I pray it does. Pray God will give you a strong faith and understand that Jesus said, as a believer, you're going to face persecution. It's an honor to do that. That's not scary. It's an honor because God uh, has said, as, as it happened, happened to the prophets, it's going to happen to us. Why? Because we're being faithful. We're being faithful. May we be counted faithful, church, to stand for the Lord. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, because of righteousness, for theirs is, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our sin when we have failed you. We have compromised in areas that, that you call us not to compromise, Lord. We've all been there. We've all compromised. None of us are, are innocent. So God, in, in, in your mercy and your grace, would you forgive us and give us the strength to, to stand tall, to stand firm, to stand with courage in the midst of persecution. When the time comes, when that moment comes, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us strength and power and courage to do the right thing, to do the righteous thing. For then it is that that moment that we are in a blessed state. Thank you, God, for these beatitudes, Lord, these, these blessed realities, Lord, for us as a kingdom citizen. Allow us to live as kingdom citizens and not world citizens. This is not our home. We're just passing through. But God, I pray that we take as many people with us, Lord, to see you while we have breath in our lungs, God. Bring people our way that we might share Jesus with them this week, God. Allow us to, to stand for you and to encourage others and to love others, Lord, with the love you've given us, Father. You love us so much. Lord, I love these people here. Bless them. Encourage them, Lord. If there's someone here today who don't know you, Father, we, we have a, just a method of simply saying you can come down front and we can pray for you and show you how to have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, you just come down during the response time. I'll pray with you and we can, you can get right with God. Maybe some of you need to get right with God this morning. Some things aren't right in your life and you, you know it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He nudges you gently back to himself. Jesus said, if the Son of Man be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself. But would you draw all men unto you? Bring us back to the cross, God, as you're lifted up, God. We love you, Father, and we pray for those who would respond to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.